today on the Real Movement Coaches Podcast, we've got Ben Roberts. Ben Roberts is a former uh, elite rugby league player, playing over 220 professional games in Australia and New Ze- and, uh, and the UK, an international for New Zealand and Samoa, and just an all-round good guy that's uh, part of the Real Movement Coaches Brigade. So we're going to get to know him, share some stories about uh, his experiences from being an elite player all the way through to now chasing a career as a as a coach. So welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me, Ro. Um, pretty excited, man. Looking forward to this. Cool, man. It's uh, it's been good to get to know you a little bit over the last couple of months, and uh, you know, there's there's some people that you just connect to pretty easily without actually having uh, ever spent face to face time. Uh, feel like you're one of those guys that. It's easy to get to know and, and uh, full of energy and a great smile and, and trying to do great things, man. So it's good to, good to have a yarn and get to know each other as well. Yeah, bro. Um, oh, the, the, the feeling's mutual too, uh, Rowan. Um, you know, like you just mentioned, uh, real movement's been a big blessing for me. Um, you know, I suppose connecting me with guys like yourself, uh, you know, and your brother and a lot of other guys um, that um, I found really, really helpful for me and my journey ahead. So, um, nah, pretty excited. Well, let's, let's go back to the start. Like, obviously, you're an elite young player. Um, you played Australian schoolboys, I believe. Like, that was the first time I really uh, watched you playing footy. I was working at the New Zealand Warriors, and we were um, sort of scouting young players and, and looking to recruit. And we've got, I think there was maybe like eight or nine dudes that were eligible to play for New Zealand. They were playing for Aussie schoolboys, obviously growing up in uh, in Sydney or Brisbane or wherever dudes were. And I was like really confused. I'm like, why are these Kiwi guys playing for Australia? But then, it, you know, it kind of made sense. So maybe even like your journey to towards being an elite um, schoolboy player, like where did it where did it start? Was it always going to be footy, or was it other sports and then footy? Like how'd you how'd you come to be that? Yeah, well. Mate, growing up as a kid, I think, um, you know, my, my parents were pretty pretty sporty themselves, man. They, they enjoyed footy. Um, they enjoyed touch, volleyball, basketball, you know, a lot of those hands-on sort of sports. Uh, so for us growing up as kids, it was pretty much just play whatever sport was in season. Um, you know, during the year, it was, it was touch and volleyball and then um, and rugby league. But then in the off-season, you know, it was, it was yeah, mainly touch and, and basketball then. So... Um, we were pretty active as kids, man, and uh, I think my dad, being a, a big rugby union fan, obviously from New Zealand, uh, but in Australia, obviously rugby league being the number one sport, um, you know, he, he got us into that. So um, I think for me as a kid, I, I always knew I wanted to play rugby league. Um, you know, I sort of felt like it was a way for me to sort of um, express myself and probably the, the place where I felt most comfortable. Um, you know, probably academically, I probably wasn't the smartest kid. Um, but when it came to sport, it sort of felt like that's where I could sort of express myself and felt like I was probably most comfortable. Yeah, cool, man. Like, we hear, we hear stories about, you know, kids trying to specialise in sports and, you know, they want to be a footy player at 10 years old, but then they, they stop playing their other sports. Like, what, what impact do you think playing, playing other sports had on your, you know, your overall athletic development and, and skill set and, and that kind of stuff? Like, well, well, man. To be honest with you, I think um, you know, just having a just having a ball in hand, whether it was a round ball or an oval ball, um, you know, I think looking back on it now, it it actually played a big part. Um, if you had asked me this before, this all real movement stuff, and you know, the stuff that I'm learning at the moment, um, you know, I, I probably didn't realise how much of an impact it actually had, and how how lucky I am to be able to to have done that. I think. Um, you know, so that, that would have played a big part. And that's probably something now that I'm trying to do with my kids is, um, you know, get them playing all different sports as I'm learning. You know, it's a, it's probably good um, as a holistic athlete to be able to have a lot of number of skills. And I think in any sport you need that to excel and I suppose to to be the best. Right? Yeah, man. Like, and that's something we, we do in, in Real Movement where we start – we start juggling and it's like terrifying and it's like you feel you feel you feel hopeless, eh? Hey? Like you you feel like a baby again when you start yes. 
you start to juggle, whatever age you start to juggle. Now, my, my four-year-old, he thinks he can juggle. In his head, he thinks he can juggle because he can throw two balls and catch both of them and he thinks he can juggle. So that in itself is like a win because he thinks yeah. he can do stuff. And that's what like juggling and the hacky sack, like, man, I, I get to 30 on the hacky sack and I'm like, that is Christmas. But then on the next go, I could do two. Like, yeah, yeah. But the, the challenge of like elite sport guys love challenge. They love to be great at everything. Like, were you always like, hey, I'll pick up a cricket bat, a tennis racket, table tennis, soccer ball, like whatever, and just be like super competitive or did you just focus on the things that you like picked up pretty quickly? No, definitely, man. I think, um, like I said, whether it was a round ball or an oval ball, I sort of felt like, you know, at, at school, and I'm sure you would have been the same. I think it's one of those things that you have in you where you are competitive as a kid and, um, you know, at school it was just soccer. You just played soccer with all my mates at school. Um, so like every lunchtime, recess, you know, we'd be out there playing soccer and you'd be just trying to be the best at that. Um, you know, whenever the the the, um, the tennis would be on down in, um, down in Melbourne there, you know, they'd have a season there when tennis was on. So, you know, we used to be at school playing tennis thinking we were Andre Agassi or Pete Sampras back in the day. Uh, you know, so it didn't matter, like I said to you, what, what, what part of the year or what season it was, there was always a main sport and, you know, Looking back, we probably weren't the best at it, but I used to think I was, like you said, um, for your four-year-old, you know, he'd catch two balls and think he was the man juggling two balls. So um, I think if I could hit the ball over the net with a tennis racket, I'd think I was the man as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was me at school as well. Like, you just play – some of my mates were riding the basketball, so I'd have a crack at that. Um, my mates were in soccer, so you'd be always playing that. And I wasn't, wasn't great at it, but I was, like, competitive and just wanted to – didn't matter, like didn't matter what ball. And then even like my brother was got into got into hockey. When I got into footy, he got into hockey. So we used to play uh, indoor hockey before school in a little comp um, at yeah. school. And man, that was that was competitive. And I wasn't that good, so I had to rely on being uh, <laughs> overly competitive or good on the sledge or whatever to uh, to get a result. So, at what time did you go? Like, I'm, I'm in for footy, though. Like, when did you sort of cut off the other stuff and, and just really knuckle down and decide that not only were you going to pursue footy, but, like, at what point did you decide I'm going to be an NRL player, I'm going to make a career of this, I'm going to play, you know, internationals. Like, you played for New Zealand before you played for Samoa, I believe. So, like, when did you decide this was going to happen? Yeah, look, it's, it's, um, it's kind of funny, Rowan. I think... Um if you ask my parents even it's something that I always it's it's not that I, I I had a dream that I wanted to do it but in my head I I never doubted the fact that I was going to do it um I probably started taking it more seriously and like you said I, I, I sort of probably steered away from a lot of the other sports probably when I got to about 15 16 years old um you know just so I could focus on rugby league uh, but looking back on it now man I wish I continued to do a lot of that other stuff along the way as well, as I feel like my game could have improved um, in all aspects of, of the game, um, you know, with my catching, my passing, my kicking, like you just mentioned, you know, the whole juggling um, aspect and um, with your feet, with your hands, um, you know, also helping with agility, um, you know, change of direction stuff. I think a lot of that, that would have definitely helped me a lot more. Um, but in saying that, I think, um, like, yeah, like I said, I've, I always had this drive and, and ambition to to be a rugby league player. I think the fact that, um, you know, dad dad used to work pretty hard growing up as kids, and, and you know, we I'm not going to um, shy away from the fact that we were pretty pretty lucky. You know, he worked really hard, long hours, just so we could have a good life. Um, in saying that, he would always say to us, you know, like, do you want to be doing these sort of hours when you grow up, or you know, do you want to you want to do what you love doing and hopefully make you know give yourself a good life a good opportunity which i think back then a lot of a lot of um polynesian families probably looked at sports as a as a way to get ahead in life um but in saying that now now what i know that yeah 100 i can understand where my, my parents were coming from and i'm very grateful but um i also think education is just as important now so for my kids um 
I'm all for them playing sport, but I think education has to be just as important as well. Yeah, man, for sure. And, and work out what you love to do so you can learn about that. That's yeah. like that's our job as parents, I think, to expose our kids to choose what they want to learn about, hey? Yeah, 100%. Other than just just having to do the schoolwork or whatever, like there's so many other things that you can, the kids can learn and like I reflect and think, oh, I wish I had learned, like learned an instrument. You know, I love rock and roll, like I love live music. Um, but I like my parents offered me that opportunity, like, hey, I'll learn an instrument, well, you know, it's take you to lessons and they worked really hard to a point where they could, you know, provide that for me and I was just too stubborn and not aware <laughs> enough, you know, like to to say, yeah, I'll give it a go. Like I'd love to be able to pick up the guitar and have a go. I bet you can play the guitar. No, nah, mate, listen, I'm exactly like you, man. I, I wish I did as well, bro. I wish I, wish I could either sing or play an instrument because I'm terrible at both. But <laughs> like we said, competitively, like, oh, mate, I'll give it a crack and the look that my wife gives me is, is not a good one. So it's very... <laughs> <laughs> very rare <laughs> so, so you talk about the um, you know the influence of your parents like was there added pressure from like your parents and, and your greater family or or were, you, were they just more sort of supportive and pushing the right direction or was it like a an extra pressure or burden that you felt to sort of pay them back or yeah no I wouldn't say it was an extra pressure um, I, I kind of understood where they were coming from um, you know, they'd, they'd always explain to me, listen, like, we're doing this for this reason, you know, not, not so much for them, but for myself. So um, I, I understood that they wanted the best for me and, and, and my life um, in the future. So um, that's something like, and now I look back on and I'm very grateful that they did that. It's, it's like you said, they sort of just steered me in that direction. And it was pretty much up to me whether I would want to do that or not. They were never too forceful in terms of making me do it if I didn't want to do it. They knew I wanted to do it wrong. It was just a matter of me staying on course and and doing the right things to do it. Um, so uh, I, I feel very lucky that, you know, they were very supportive and they, they understood what I wanted to do. Um, and even till today, you know, they've always been my number one fan regardless of what I do. And I suppose that's what all parents do do, you know. So... Um, yeah, that's um, so. I'm I'm pretty lucky in that aspect. But as far as pressure, I only put pressure on myself. I think it was just, and it's it's probably a weakness of mine uh, where I sort of felt like I have to I have to do well at this to make this person happy, or I have to do it to make this person happy. Whereas they were always like, "Don't do it for anyone else but yourself," and that's probably something that I maybe realised later on in my career um, and sort of look back now and think if I'd had that mentality and that that mindset throughout my career at the start, I think I honestly think things could have been different in terms of I probably could have gone further with my career. I could have done more. Um, so for me, it's 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 having the, the experience that I've got and the knowledge that I'm learning from, from real movement and what I have already, it's, I suppose trying to give it to the next generation and those who are playing now and so that they don't have the same sort of questions and thoughts that I have, you know. So um, if I can do that, then, you know, I'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, man, like that's uh, it's pretty humbling, you know, to you know, anyone that plays in the NRL for, like, if you play a game in the NRL, you've done well, in, in my opinion. I've got such mm. great respect for, for dudes that can you know, sustain a career in rugby league. Like, it's just, it's brutal physically and it's it's brutal mentally. Like, every time you, someone, some big dude's running at you, like, it's a, it's a test of courage in front of, you know, millions of people and, you know, sometimes the highs and lows of the disappointment that's associated with that physical battle is, is a big burden to carry, man. Like, I think you, I appreciate how you, you, you're learning lessons from your career and you want to take them forward. But also like for the people that are listening, like Ben played 200 plus games, you know, like that is a, that is a huge achievement in professional sport of any kind, but also mm. to think, Hey, I learned some lessons there in reflection that I can actually make people better. That makes those 200 games even more uh, important rather than, you know, some guys like to have a nice resume 
but actually the lessons that we've learned and the experiences that we've had in that time are actually worth a lot more than those 200 games anyway, hey? Yeah, def- definitely, man. And um, and then that's that's the thing. I think, um, you know, if, if we can sort of give other people the opportunity to do well and, and excel, I suppose, just, just as much as I did, I think, um, you know, for me, that's, that's, you know, I've done my job there. Then I feel like I've done my job, and to those guys who who have done better than I have, it's like, um, you know, it's it's incredible. I, I, th- I think it's incredible. You know, some some blokes can go through their careers without injuries and with it, with only minor setbacks, and you know that's that's unreal. But that's not re- that's not realistic. You know, for majority of us, Ron, and you'd know that. It's um, like you mentioned the, the the rugby league roller coaster. There's there's a lot of downs just as much as there are ups, um, and I think. Um, a lot of a lot of aspiring rugby league players, but even athletes have got to, I suppose, be more prepared for that that part of the sport. You know, it's because um, that that there, that there can derail your career or or um, you know your future um, if that's what you wanted to do. You know, yeah, well, maybe maybe while we're there, like I've, I've spent a lot of time in my own coaching in the last few years to to try and well, not try, but to to spend time with players talking about how you actually manage failure by sort of expecting it, you know, and not, not to be negative, but, but you know, in a competitive sport, like you're going to make a mistake or you're going to get a bad result, you know, in whatever sport, like things are going to go against you to, to really do sort of coping mechanisms to, to use that as a learning experience and a character building experience. It's something, you know, a way to be more resilient rather than seeing it as a failure just experience. So, did you did you have much sort of help with that through your career, or is that something that you just sort of got as you as you matured and uh, you know became a more responsible adult and a, a father and that kind of stuff? Like, or, or did you have you know did you have mentors that were helping you with that as as a younger player as well? Yeah. Look, um, looking back on it now, I, I had I would I had the opportunity to have some great mentors around me. Um, you know, coming through. But I think I didn't realise that until it was too late. Ron. You know, I had I, I had good people around me. I was at I was at I was at some good clubs. You know, I was at I was at uh, Canterbury Bulldogs for a good number of years. You know, with some good people around me there. Um, and then also at Parramatta. But I think the mental side of it it didn't actually kick in for me until I as I matured. And I think, like you just mentioned, uh, the switch for me probably started when I had when I had my first kid. Um, you know, I suppose it put things into perspective for me, um, you know, about what's important in life, um, you know, and, and what, what I should be focusing on and how I should be focusing on certain things. Um, and then I think as I, as I, at the back end of my career, um, in England, it was, was another good learning curve for me, obviously with a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Um, again, I think the thing that got me through it and, 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 the drive that I had to get up every day and my, my reason being to go and train and, you know, try and overcome these injuries after injuries was, was my family. So, you know, the, the thought of letting, like I said to you before, that was probably one of my weaknesses um, during my career was trying to make sure that I was impressing everyone else as opposed to myself. Um, and then I think, you know, since, since my wife, since we've had kids, you know, she's always reminded me that, you know, it doesn't like the people around you, the people that mean most to you, like your family and your close friends, they're only happy if you're happy. So for me, that it was, that's where I understood that. Okay. Hang on a second. I've just got to focus more on myself. You know, if I suppose I've got to try and play, play well to make myself happy first and the rest of it will sort of take care of itself. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting balance, isn't it? Cause you know, we're taught that if you only worry about yourself, that you're selfish. But really, yeah. really, unless we take care of ourselves all the time as a priority, like every day we check in, um, and that's a big part of what what happens in this community. That you know we have daily activities that we we set ourselves small tasks um, to to win. And I know like one of the things he talks about all the time is making your bed when you get you know when you first get up and you get that sense of like achievement. You've achieved one thing straight away. And then yeah. that goes into 
setting up your day to be productive. And if you're productive, then you have a good day, you're happy with yourself, then you're a good, good more chance of being a good dad and a good husband and a good coach. And I think it's, it's all, it always happens to us as like fathers, we, we grow up, we have to, and some guys do it at a younger age. Um, I didn't have kids until I was in my thirties. So um, mm. how do you think, how do you think like knowing what you know now, how can we pass on some of this stuff to guys, to young men, particularly before their dads, like how do you, to become more resilient or to, to focus on the bigger picture, to make the most of their opportunity, like before they have that added responsibility of, um, of parenting. Yeah, I, I think, I think we'll make look, looking at it now and, and, and being retired. I think there's a, there's a lot of things, like I, like I said, that I probably wish I, I, I probably should have done um, during my career while I was playing. And one of those things that I wish I did was, um, you know, do a trade or something, Rowan, have, have like a get, get a trade or something, you know, Looking back on it now, I used to think oh, I've got all this time in the world. I think the the thing, if we can get across to a lot of the young guys, is rugby league doesn't last forever. And, and you'd know yourself, Rowan, that when you're young, you think you've got, you know, ages before you have to worry about that sort of stuff, you know. But if you can sort of chip out, chip away at it at the start of your career, by the, and by the time you finish, you know, you, you'll have this, you'll have this ridiculous resume where you've got all these qualifications and and you know the Again, the world is your oyster because I believe that in the sporting bubble, it's it's not real life. I don't think it's real life. You know, real life begins when you're finished, and you know you you have to go into the real world, and you know things don't just get handed to you. You've you've got to go and earn them. You know what I mean? Like um, I've found that you know the the rugby league Ben Roberts people don't really care about that once you finish retiring. You're, you're just Ben Roberts. You know, you're just like everyone else now. So to me. It, I sort of thought, well, hang on a second. I, I've got to go and actually do something here. I've got to, you know, and what is that that I want to do? And, and I'm just grateful enough that um, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where my passion lied and what I wanted to do. And thankfully, like I said to you, I sort of, um, I had good people around me probably halfway through my career that was sort of able to help me out financially, set myself up financially. Um, so it sort of gave me the opportunity to be able to try and, chase my next my next dream or my next goal and, and what I want to do in life um, and that's and that's coach other upcoming athletes and, and you know athletes that are around now and and try and get in their heads early on and say listen like you know you need to use this time in your career to set yourself up for after because once your career is finished that's when your real life begins you know yeah I think we it, that's a great it's a great point that you make there man and like it should, it should come up more often that we talk about this stuff where your identity is not as a rugby league player. Like that's only one part of that 15 or 16 years, whatever you had as a professional player. Yeah. That's only one aspect. And, and Steve Hansen talked to us about that in the, um, in the coaches summit. Like he was talking about all blacks and you know, those guys are, are heroes. Um, yeah, you know, you were, you would have been heroes to, to a lot of kids in, in the area that would have seen you play and shake hands with you after the game and stuff. But Ben Roberts, the player was only, you know, a, a part of, a part of you, um, being mm. a dad, an uncle, a nephew, a friend, a colleague, a workmate, you know, all of those things, not one thing defines us. And I, I think that's something we all probably lose sight of at times that, you know, you're a coach or you're a player. Nah, you're a person. Yeah. Like you're a person who plays. And you also could be doing a trade on the side, could be a dad, a brother, an uncle. I think it's a really good point that you raise there, man. And, and for young guys to, to be thinking about their whole person rather than just their, their footy uh, or their sport, you know. And I, I wrote something down a minute ago there where you were talking about like you, as you matured, you know, you, you started to apply yourself better. And that happens to everyone, for sure. And, you know, I shared an office. I had the privilege of sharing an office with Craig Fitzgibbon for a year. And, and he used to talk about you play your, play your footy like you live your life. Yeah. So, you know, how does that sort of resonate with you? You know, the better your life is organised, does it make you, your sport better? Like, does it make yeah. your workplace now? Like, 
<laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with him there, uh, Rowan. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of your, a lot of your, um, your life away from the pitch would probably reflect on the pitch, right? Um, you know, that's again, that's something that I learned along the way, and and I probably, you know, as you know, I probably, I probably was a bit of a rat bag when I first started out playing. Um, but in saying that, Rowan, that's not me. That wasn't my identity either, and. Um, I think that's probably why it was a lot. It was pretty easy for me to, to turn it around, you know, and do a full 180 because the person that I am is, is someone who's, who you know, very family orientated. Um, you know, I've got very, very close, close-knit family and friends. Um, and I think, you know, just seeing the, you know, the, the faces or the reactions that I was getting from them and, you know, that, that, that sort of, was my little flicker in terms of, you know, oh, listen, I've got to change things around here. So that was probably the first step for me um, when it comes to maturing um, and realising that, hang on a second, like, you know, I'm not being, that's not my true self, you know, doing this. Um, so I've got, I've got to turn that around. And, and like you said, I, I had to try and get myself right off the field, my life. I had to get my life in order. Um, so what I did, Rowan, is so obviously the first first two or three years of my career I got in a bit of trouble in terms of you know and a lot, a lot of it had to do with drinking um, and like I think it, I, I still remember the night when, when I went and seen my parents and it was the last time I, I had an incident and and my mother was, was crying she was she was in the room crying you know and, um, it, was the, it was the next day after the incident and obviously it had gotten out in the news and the radio and stuff like that and I went to see my parents and my dad sort of looked at me and he's just gone, mate, your mum's in the back. And for those that know me, I'm, I'm very, I'm a mama's boy. I'm very close to my mum. Um, and so I went into the room and she was crying on the bed and I, I was like, what's the matter? She's like, you know, what are you doing? Like, this isn't you. This isn't, this isn't my Ben, you know, this isn't, this isn't you as a person. It's not in your character to be like this. Um, so, I knew then and then that was it for me. Um, so from 2008, I, I quit drinking for two years straight. I just went cold, cold turkey, no, no, no alcohol. Um, and then it's funny because then that's when I met my wife um, when I was actually off the drink. So, uh, you know, I suppose that's, that's when things turned for me as well. I, again, um, you know, she's, she, she showed me what, you know, I suppose she opened my eyes in terms of making me realise that rugby league isn't everything. You know, there's more to rugby league. So, you know, I had to, suppose, start setting myself up for post-footy career. So whether that was just saving, like I mentioned earlier about, you know, people helping with my finances and, and sort of helping me understand how to how to save. Um, you know, I, I never knew how to save. I, I, until 2010, I don't think I had – oh, sorry, 2009, um, I didn't have one asset. I had a bed to my name. That was it, you know. I was just spending money like I thought it was – it was going to be around forever, and um, you know, to, from 2009, it was it was where I sort of thought, shit, I need to do something here. I, I need to have something to show for it because you know, like, footy's not going to be around forever. The money's not going to be there forever, and I'm just grateful that those sort of, you know, I look back on those um, events, and 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 even though they were bad ones, they sort of, um, I suppose, helped me to become the person I am today, and to sort of, um, you know, set myself up and and see where I'm at today and, you know, something that I'm really grateful for. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that part of the journey. It's, you know, there's no, there's no smooth path to anywhere good. There's always, um, there's always events and it's, it's what you do about it. And obviously you chose at that junction to, to go further down a bad path or to escalate that situation or to, to make yourself better. And it turned out, Turned out well, man. You're always, um, you know, you're always someone on the tip sheet when I coached at, um, coached at Newcastle and then the Roosters against you that, you know, you're a powerful ball runner. You know, you had a big right arm fan and you had a left foot kick and you had a nice touch on the ball and, and you were strong. Uh, what I, like what, what you hear a lot of people talk about, it, especially on TV, that, you know, he's a natural or, it's like people feel like he was born with those skills, you know. Yeah. How 
how much of that do you feel like like you put in hard work in the backyard, down the park, um, on the field, like to then be able to express it at the top level? Yeah, like um, it, to be honest with you, mate, it wasn't all natural. Um, a lot of like the the ball running part like was always a natural thing for me because growing up as a kid, I was a center, so um, I could run the ball. That was no drama. The whole the whole passing and kicking part of it was was not a natural thing. Um, I, I worked pretty hard at that as a kid, I, I, you know, and and I've always I've always thought my dad was a pretty smart smart man when it comes to rugby league or rugby union. He, you know, he he seemed to have a knack for the game. He could see certain things in a in a, in a player that that I wouldn't normally see growing up as a kid. And and one of them was he always said to me growing up that you need to have a good kicking game because halves need good kicking games, obvious for obvious reasons. But for me, he was like, that That can be one aspect of your game where it could be one of your main ones, you know what I mean? I had a big group, but I just didn't know that was just, that wasn't a thing. But to be able to, to kick the ball and be active with it was something that I had to practice and, and you know, really drive to do along with passing as well. Um, and like I said, I mean, we mentioned earlier on, I think, playing touch footy and basketball, those sort of things, they can assist you in that sort of stuff as well. So because I did that a lot as a kid as well, that's that's probably where it all come from as opposed to me being natural. Um, it took a lot of work growing up. And I think that's where I mentioned before, Rowan, that I think if I, if I had the mentality that I have now towards the back end of my career, that was to try and improve and better myself. You know, that's where I think oh, it makes me wonder what, what could have been. Because uh, by the time I got there, and I, I think a lot of players consciously do it, is that they get comfortable. And I think that's what separates the good players from the great players. You know, like you look at the blokes like uh, Cameron Smith and Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk and, you know, all those sort of skillful guys that have been in the game for, you know, nearly two decades. And they just don't seem to be slowing down. It's like, I think when even when I when I went down to Melbourne for that one year and, and the stuff that I learnt off them, but just even the way that they sort of looked at the game, how their mentality was, you can always be better. That's that's probably where it stuck for me. And it was just unfortunate that it was the last year of my year in the NRL because I feel like, or I felt like that my game was actually, had gone to another level there again, down in Melbourne. Um, and I sort of feel like if I had had that mentality earlier, I, I could have done more, you know? Yeah, we. You only have you only have wisdom when you have it, don't you? So <laughs> now's your chance to sort of pass pass that on. My, like I, I watch my watch my four year old, you know, and he's he practices skills, and you can see him pick it up, you know, so quickly. But nothing's natural. Like it just when when you put the work in, that's when you get results. So I think as a kid. The earlier you try stuff, the quicker you, you know, your learning abilities are so fast there. We see it with our young kids, our babies, like how they just keep failing and they just keep working until they pick something up. They're really yeah. encouraging junior athletes to just have a go at things and practice lots of different skills and lots of different movements. It's yeah. going to benefit you in the long term rather than, and, and it might look natural by the time someone sees you on TV, it might look so smooth and natural like, but it's not like LeBron James goes and picks up new skills every off season and then it looks natural, but it's a, it's a new skill. And that's something I don't know if we push hard enough in our coaching that it's not, that's not who you are. That's just who you are right now. Yeah. There's an opportunity yeah. to, to grow beyond that. Did you, did you get a lot of encouragement to build your game, to grow, to add things to your game through your career or were people just like with clubs just buying what they could already see? Um, to be, yeah, to be honest with you, I, I think later on my, in my career is where I started, you know, thinking I need to work on little bits of my game to improve. Um, I sort of felt like, Clubs were, I was probably signed with clubs due to the fact just based off what I had already. Um, but like I said to you, I never had an ambition to try and improve, like widen my skill set, which is something that, you know, like you just mentioned, I think a lot of coaches would would, would or should do is, is get their players to, 
you know, think outside the box and, and like you said, do things that they probably wouldn't normally do and get out of that comfort zone, as I think it, it will. But it, it'll obviously improve their athleticism. It'll, it'll make them more valuable when it comes to a team. And then, and then from a player's perspective, you know, that's, that's, when the money, that's when the money changes, you know. I think the more valuable they are, the more money they'll earn. So if we can sort of, well, if, if we can sort of do that with players and, and sort of unlock that athletic potential for them, I think it's only going to benefit them, you know. So it's just a matter of them wanting that and willing to buy into it and that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, man, I, I think you're going you're gonna to influence a lot of young kids, like regardless of what sport they play, to, to be good athletes. Um, I guess you, you're coaching, your path into coaching was kind of born out of the back end of your career and some of the, some of the injuries and setbacks that you had, you know, while, you know, there was big expectations for you to go to England and, and really dominate that, that competition over there, but it was, it was a bit interrupted with injury. Um, maybe talk to us about a little bit of that process and the things you learnt through that, that tough time. And also how that, you know, where, where was the light bulb moment that went, you know what, I want to change the game here with, with the next breed of, breed of kids coming through. Yeah, well, well, like I mentioned just before, Rowan, too, like um, that's, that's one thing that, that sort of kicked in for me, I suppose, when I, when I went down to Melbourne for my last year um, in Melbourne. And um, I, I think during that year and then, and then post, so from 2014 onwards, I had that mentality where I just wanted to improve. So I wanted to try and find the next, you know, the best way to recover. Because as, as you get older, obviously, you know, your recovery time is probably a bit slower than what it used to be as opposed to when you were 19, 20. So um, for me, it was always about trying to find the, the quickest way to recover or, the, you know, whether it be through, through diet or through, you know, recovery protocols, uh, whether it be ice baths, whether it be stretching, uh, you know, whether, whether we're using a normal tech, like just using gear to try and get um, recovery done quicker as well. Um, and like you mentioned, so when I went over there, I, I, I even had expectations on myself to do well, um, and it just wasn't the case. Um, you know, my first year I was in and out of the team um, due to injuries and then also just struggling to find my feet, um, you know, within the team um, in the way that they wanted to play. And then it was probably only till the last, well, once the Super 8 started, where I actually found my feet. So it was only the last games, last eight games. Um, so I finished the year off well. And in 2016, um, you know, I was hoping, well, this is going to be it for me. You know, I found my feet. I know what's doing. I know where I am. Um, and to be honest with you, I felt like I had a good year, good start to the year. Um, you know, we were we were 5-0. We hadn't lost the game for the first five rounds. I, I was pretty happy with the way I was playing. Um, and then I, I broke my foot, um, you know, and that I was out for the season then. So, um, you know, I was pretty gutted with that. But at the same time, my, men, my mental state at the time was was very positive, very good. Um, you know, like I said, I had my family there. I had my two kids, my wife there. So for me, I kind of looked at it as a good opportunity for us to spend time together and me to spend time with my kids because I think my second one was just born that year as well. So... Um, I looked at that as, a, as a, an opportunity for me to spend time with them. Um, so I got through that, man. I, I worked hard. It, it was kind of, it was kind of scare, scary at the start because this, and this is probably where it was the turning point for me in terms of oh, I wanted to do something about it because I got told that my foot it was only a small sprain to start with. So, and they said I'd only be out for two to three weeks. So, um, you know, I, I sort of thought, okay, yeah, no worries. Um, it's all good. We'll see how it goes. So, obviously, they said, yeah, we'll give you time off. We'll treat you off feet for two weeks, and then we'll see how you go after that. Um, anyways, long story short, the, the pain was still there. It had been it had been eight weeks wrong before I actually played my next game. And at that time, it was even sore then. But I just thought, well, it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. Um, it, they, I've gone and got scans done. They said it wasn't broken, so it must be just in my head. They got to a point where they, they like I started questioning my, my mental toughness, you know, and that sort of played on my mind because I've never had, I've never had issues, I've never questioned my mental toughness because I felt like I've been in the, the toughest system, I've been in the toughest competition for the last nine years, whatever it was, 
for me to come over here. Now you're telling me that I'm not mentally tough enough. So I sort of thought, all right, I'm going to play anyway. So I decided to play that after the eight weeks in the Magic Cup round, 10 minutes into the game. Well, actually, it might have been 20 minutes into the game. The exact same thing happened again. I got the same thing. I, you know, just felt like I had this big shock go straight through my foot. And I've, I sort of said to them, it's, it's broken. It's got to be broken. So they'd sent me for constant scans before the game, uh, a number of scans, and nothing. it all came back clear. And then all of a sudden they thought, you know what, we'll do, you, we'll do a weighted scan. So they had me standing on it while they scanned me. And then that's when they found the crack in the foot. So it, it kind of angered me, man. That, that, that pissed me off, you know, because like, I, I, it had me questioning myself. And I, I, I'm probably more annoyed that I did question myself as opposed to not stick to my, stick to my guns and say, no, listen, that's not right. Um, so then anyways, it ended up being broken. Had the surgery, got two, two plates and six screws put in my foot. Um, and then the thing that scared me, Rowan, is, is I remember the physio at the time saying to me, mate, I've never had this injury before, so I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, I, I sort of thought to myself, well, this, from what I've gathered, that this is a pretty serious injury, so it can either go two ways, obviously. One, I'll never play again. Or two, I will play again, but I won't be able to play to my best, my full ability. That's so. Once I, I I got told that, and the fact that he hadn't experienced the injury before, I had to go look. I had to go find someone else myself. So I, I went off my own back to go and look for someone else who knew the injury and who had an who had experience and background with the injury. Um, it was just so fortunate that my one of my close mates, Willie Tonga, was over in England at the time, and. Um, he was at Bradford, actually. I think he was at. Was he at Bradford in 2016? No, he wasn't there when I was there. He was at. He was at Lee in 2016. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I caught up with him. Like I used to catch up with him a fair bit, and he said to me, he "Goes, listen, man. I've I've got a guy who I've been introduced to, and I mentioned something to him about your injury." And I said, "Okay." And he goes, "And um, he's actually dealt with your injury before. So if you want, I've mentioned, give him a call, and you, you know you can go from there." So, anyways, um. Long story short, I, I become really good mates with this guy. Um, man, the guy knows his stuff. He's unbelievable. His name's Ollie White. Um, Oliver White. He's Oliver Matthew. Sorry, he's um, he's now with the Blackburn Rovers as their physiotherapist over there. Um, but at the time, he was at Huddersfield Giants. Oh yeah. So, um, but this guy, I think the fact that I was at from another club and he was at another club. I kind of felt a bit awkward at the start, but then getting to know the bloke and, and I suppose the passion that he has to try and get athletes back to 100% and, and, the, and you know, the passion that he has for his job about getting athletes back on the pitch, it kind of rubbed off on me in terms of, um, you know, this is something I'd love to do, you know, like, man, like, because the gratitude that I had that I was introduced to this guy and for what he did for me and, and it's something that I'll always be forever grateful for is the feeling that I want to give other athletes, you know, like, like for me, and I always said it to him, I said, it's like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty religious as well, Rowan. I've, I've, I've always been religious, but like I said to you, I sort of steered away from it. Um, and then I think 2016 again was, was when I found, well, I didn't find God, but it's when I went back to him. Uh, and I suppose he, you know, religion, faith plays a big part for me as well now. And even to today, in life in general, um, and I, you know, I honestly believe that he was put in in my life uh, to see where I am today. That's that's because of him as well, you know. Um, so that's why I feel like I'd love to be able to do that for other athletes and, and rugby league players as well, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no better passion than you know or purpose in life to, than to to help people. Yeah, but to really to know how you want to help people and yeah. why you want to help them, like that's that you know. For me, I think I was maybe sixteen or something when I thought, you know, what I want to be a, a footy coach. But I didn't really like. I I thought about it then because I was, you know, I, I liked footy. You yeah, know, I liked the tactical side of it, but not really the full purpose of why, like, why do you want to be a coach? Like you want to, you want to help people. You want them to do fucking good things and then they can go on to, to show other people how to do good things. And 
I mean, out of a shit situation and a lot of people in, in that situation, they turn to prescriptions or they drink or they just eat like shit or whatever because they're, oh, it's the end of my career and, you know, I'm just going to give up. Where, where for you, maybe like where you're sitting there right today and the person that you are, you know, you may not have been the same dude if you didn't react the same the way that you have to that situation, eh? No, definitely, man, definitely. And and, and that was the thing, man. So I, I ended up, I was seeing this bloke every second day for, for, you know, the rest of the year, you know, and I was paying out of my own pocket. That's 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 how that's how much I wanted to get back on the pitch. I, I wanted to get back on the pitch and prove myself because I hadn't done that yet, you know, while I was over there. So that was my big main motivator. But the fact that, this guy was like, I suppose his passion and what what he he did for me was is what I want to do for everyone else. So he he was a, a bit of inspiration for me to to want to do that. Um, but even the way that I came back the following year, so you know, it was probably my only full year that I had uh, while I was in England. And um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get Player of the Year from my club. And you know, I when I did get that, you know that. That's probably what, what my aim was and my goal was when I first got the injury was, you know, I, I had this vision where I wanted to get back to being just as good as I was before I got injured. Um, and to get that award the following year, it, it just made it all worth it in the end, you know. And and I think it wasn't only that, it was the support of my wife because I know she would have went through a lot because she was heavily pregnant. So I had to get this surge. What was it? So my boy was born probably a couple of weeks after I had the surgery. So she had to look after me and my, and my second son. Uh, so she was a soldier through the whole thing. So it was her, she was an inspiration for me. And so was this guy, man. And it was kind of a way for me to, to give back to them and say, thank you to, to just get on the pitch and be able to, like I mentioned before, express myself that way and, and show how much, you know, these guys did for me and how much I wanted to pay them back. Um, which was which was really good. So we ended up going through to the grand final that year. We had one of the best seasons the club's ever had. Um, so to be able to get player of the year, you know, through the club, it, you know, it was definitely a highlight for me being over there. Um, and then 2018 come around, row and that 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 was pretty much it for me in terms of yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Um, I um, I kept. I, I tore my calf at the quarter way through the year and I was out for a good four to six weeks from a calf, calf tear. Um, from then on, my hamstrings just kept tearing and I had no re- I had no, no idea why and neither did the medical stuff. So that's, that, that was just it for me. I was like, listen, I'm, like, I'm putting my faith in these guys here and they, they got no idea why I keep tearing my calves, why my, my hamstrings keep going. Um, and then, again, it wasn't until the last 12 games of the season, so I pretty much missed most of the year again. So after 17, I was out again for three quarters of the season. And then, um, stupid me, I probably went away from seeing my mate that I, that I mentioned before. I wasn't seeing him anymore. Uh, because I think because he had gone on to the soccer role now, so he wasn't at Huddersfield Giants anymore. So he'd gone on to um, over to the Blackburn Robes over there. So it was kind of hard getting to see him because the... He was obviously on over on the other side of England there, uh, working, and then he'd get back late. By the time he got back, it was too late. So um, I ended up seeing him. I, I eventually got to see him because I said, "Man, listen, I need to see you because something's wrong." And I honestly felt like it was because I was old. I, I thought maybe my body just can't take it anymore because I didn't feel like I was slowing down. I didn't feel like I was I was I was old, but I felt like, well, that's it. Maybe my body's just had it. So. He had a look at me and he's like, mate, I think it's your back. So I went back to my, my physio at the club at the time and I said, listen, I, want, I think it might be my back. So anyways, he sent me to a, a doctor over there, had a look at my back and they said, well, yeah, it actually, it, it could be your back. So they gave me an injection in my back and um, it worked. I ended up playing the last 12 rounds of the year. You know, my hamstrings weren't going because it was all neural apparently. Um, so I finished the year off and then in the off-season I was getting ready to go on a family vacation and I couldn't get out of bed. So this, this was like three months later from the post-injection this injection, and I couldn't get out of bed. And um, 
I rang up the physio and I said, mate, something's wrong with my back. I, I, I'm getting like, you know, I've done all my own research and all this stuff. Because obviously over the years working with this guy, I, um, I just started getting into trying to learn more about the body. I wanted to learn about the body, how the body works. And I knew something was wrong. And um, anyways, they, first they said it was sciatica. Then they said I had L4 or 5 um, degenerated disc. Then it, they said it was a disc bulge. Uh, so again, Ron, they had no idea. They couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was. So um, this was uh, November 1st. I ended up going for my first. He sent me for another epidural in my back. Um, so I had that epidural in my back and he said, give it two weeks and it should settle down. So I said, all right, two weeks had passed. The exact same thing happened. Um, so he sent me for another injection on, um, I think it was January 1st, the, the January 1st. So it was New Year's Day when everything was closed. And they were that eager to try and get me to train because I was on and off with my training. I couldn't stay on the pitch because I couldn't tackle. I was in too much pain. Um, I couldn't run properly like because my down one side of my leg was just excruciating pain. Um, so they ended up sending me for an injection on January 1st. And then two weeks later, we went on a camp um, over to Lanzarote. And um, same thing happened. Still, still no, no, no improvement. Exact same thing. So they sent me for another injection when we got, uh, when we got back from camp. So I decided that um, anti-inflammatories haven't always been something I've wanted to take. And they were trying to get me to take nerve blockers, you know, medication. Um, they were just pumping me with anti-inflammatories before training sessions just so I could get through training. But then on my days off, I wouldn't take these things and I'd just be bedridden. I couldn't play with my, my three-year-old and my one-year-old um, and, and my newborn. And yeah. they would want me to go play in the backyard and play with the footy or the soccer ball. And I'd be like, man, I can't. Daddy's too sore. And I think that for me was, was it for me. So I sort of thought, okay, um, round one's come around now. So I've had these three or four injections. Um, I'm just going to take anti-inflammatories and see how I go. So I took anti-inflammatories the day before round one, woke up in the morning and I felt amazing, right? So took some more anti-inflammatories before the game, played the game, felt amazing. Straight after the game, I was a bit sore, woke up next morning, back to square one. Um, in a lot of pain, couldn't move. And then that Tuesday, the following Tuesday, first session back, my hamstring went again. So that was it for me. And I think that was it for the club too. You know, with all these injuries and that, I felt like they had no resolution. That like, well, they didn't understand what it was or they couldn't fix it. And I felt like they had had enough with me and I had had enough with the whole situation itself. So to be honest with you, as, as bad as it sounds, I lost my faith in them anyways, which I think, so mentally I wasn't there and I didn't think I could, I could keep doing it. So I thought I want to get myself right and try and, I suppose not let any other league player or athlete at all go through what I've just gone through. Um, so I come back in April. Within two weeks, I was back in Australia when we decided that was going to be it. Um, back here in two weeks, it took me a good three months before I could actually bend over and touch my toes. And then that's when I started to do a bit of strength work to try and strengthen up my back. Uh, but I always still had this little pain around us. It was always still there. And then once I started a real movement only three months ago or whatever it was, it's the best. Like, I feel like I could go back and play NRL now if I wanted to. You know, and that's, that's, that's where I know that this works. That's, that's where I know that this is a solution and this is, this is something that every rugby league player needs to do to try and avoid that or um, to give themselves the best opportunity to, to be able to play first grade, you know. Wow, man, that's uh, it's it's a, that's a tough story, man. That's a tough story, and, and particularly, you know, to finish that way after such a great career. Um, but really, it hasn't hasn't finished. It's only just starting. Like, really, about the impact yeah. that you can have from that that experience, and it's pretty common. Like, your story, you know, there's versions of that that I've heard from heaps of different guys, and I've you know I've been in clubs where, you know, they just keep pushing players out on the field. You're okay. Run through it. You know, yeah. take this pill. It'll solve the problem. 
there's so many problems out there, but there's not many solutions given to players. And I think, you know, that's what you found, you know, a solution. How, how did it come about that you, you know, wanted to explore, like obviously you needed to explore something different, but how did mm. you get connected up with, you know, real movement, doing ATG, like knees over toes stuff, eating differently? Like what was your influence there to make you take that step? Well, man, I've, like, like I said to you, so I, um, I obviously through a mutual friend as well, through Sonny Bill, right? So um, I was having a chat with Sonny, um, a brief chat with Sonny, and, and, and I told him, you know, about what I want to do. You know, I said, listen, like I'd love to, I'd love to look into, um, I want to be a strength and conditioner, but I want to be able to help athletes. And, and, you know, and, and what he said to me when he, when he heard that, he's like, listen, man, if you want to do it right, this is the way you've got to do it. So he put me in touch with your brother. He put me in touch with Keegs and said, listen, um, I've, I've text Keegs. Here's his number. Give him a call. Um, and then, you know, he'll, you go from there. Whatever you want to do from there, that's, that's up to you. So I sort of had an idea. Um, I never knew exactly what it was, you know, real movement was. I, 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 I knew Sonny was doing stuff, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and then, you know, I, one thing led to another, man. Like, from that day, it's, it's just, like, I suppose, not only as a coach, but as a person, as a as a coach, you know, mind-wise, diet-wise, like, the stuff that I'm learning now, um, it's stuff that I thought I already knew, you know. Um, and that's, that's something that um, a lot of, rugby league players especially they, they think they know they've got it down pat when it comes to their diets and, and and it comes to their trainings and recovery protocols and stuff like that but man like that's that's nowhere near what what you know these guys are learning like real movement is is something that you would not get anywhere else other than real movement and atg you know um so i'm, I'm very fortunate man to, to be able to be a part of the community and to you know uh, meet people like yourself, Rowan, like 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 yourself. You know, I was explaining to to your old girl. I, you know, I was explaining to mum. You know how much of an influence you've had on me as well, in terms of you know uh, backing myself and and uh, having the confidence to be able to uh, you know put myself out there and, and and you know share my knowledge and and sort of um, you know let these people know that I'm here for that, like to to help them in that way. So. Um, I only feel like I'm growing more and more, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm forever learning. And I think that's probably why I feel like I'm growing because I'm just forever learning, you know, uh, whether it be coaching, whether it be dieting, whether it be, um, you know, just studying, like learning more about, you know, exercise and training and, and other ways of doing things. It's, um, it's a constant. And I think that's what's, uh, for me, that's, that's what's, uh, I suppose, oh, how do I put it? I, I don't know, but I just feel like I've got so much more to learn and more potential in me. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. And, um, you know, my goal is to try and be the best coach that I can be. And by doing that, I know I've got to be a part of Real Movement and, and, and ATG to be able to do that. Yeah, cool, man. I think it's a, it's a great place to be in that, like, where you feel like you're craving learning, you don't know that much, but then you reflect and go, oh, fuck, I know, I know a fair bit. But, like, that's a great place to be, I reckon, where you, you're craving more learning. And, you know, for a dude that's been in, like, pro sports for so long, like, man, you, you, look, you look like you, you definitely could play. Like, you look unbelievably <laughs> strong and fucking ripped and muscly at the moment. Um, well, that's the thing, Ron. My, 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 my body composition, it's, it's better than what it was when I was 21. You know, I'm, I'm doing things now mobility-wise, flexible-wise. I thought I was flexible, um, you know, when I was playing. Um, but I wasn't. And, I, you know, I, I even remember one of the physios saying that that's why my hamstrings kept turning because I was too flexible. And that, 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 never, that never sat right with me. I was like, huh. That's not right. <laughs> you know, like just, just little things like that, man. I just sort of feel like there's, there's a system out there that, that probably can improve and it's here. The system's here that, that, that can help that improve. So um, I want to get it out there as so bad because I feel like if I can get it out there sooner with all these athletes coming through, the game's going to improve itself as a whole. 
you know, obviously because the skill level is going to be better. They're going to be a lot faster. They're going to be a lot more agile. They're going to be a lot stronger. I, I feel like, and I think the sooner teams can get onto it, the the more they're going to benefit, you know? Yeah, man, you, you, your passion for it's 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 epic. It's been awesome to see your uh, yeah your evolution in the last few months. Um, things can happen rapidly when you find something that you love doing. And probably just to finish off here, like you've you've mentioned, obviously your, your wife has given you great support. Um, when you've been in that team environment, you've always had teammates and staff to help you and stuff. You know that transition now into the you know, it's my own adventure and I'm choosing how I go about it. Like, what's the importance of team at home and, and team around you to to help you on your quest? Because you're going to need some help, hey? So, like, what's the importance of teamwork? Oh, oh definitely, mate. I think I think for me, um, like I mentioned, so I've got my wife there, bro. She's, she, she supports me 100% with everything I do, you know, and, and I suppose that's why I married her, bro. <laughs> <laughs> She chose well or you chose well? well yeah, I, I chose well, mate. I chose well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but look, look, like that is my team. My team's my family. Um, you know, and, and, and then I've also got real movement like yourself. I've got guys like you. If I need to fall back on or got any questions, I know that I can rely on you guys as well. So the business side of things, just having that, um, that work mentality, I think, you know, I've got guys like yourself that keep me accountable. You know what I mean? Like you're always texting me like, randomly every second day saying how's it all going are you doing this what are you doing I think that for me uh, that's I feel like I'm a part of the team always you know what I mean uh, that's what Real Movement's given me as well you know you've got a lot of great coaches on there who have so much knowledge and who have so much experience in sport you know than I do so for me it's like uh, I know that I've got a good support system behind me in that aspect as well as my wife and my kids uh, I know that they're always going to be there they're my day ones um, you know, when, when shit hits the fan, I know that they're going to be there no matter what. So I'm very comfortable with, with, with my life away from coaching, um, but I'm also comfortable with, with how I'm traveling at the moment with my coaching because I know I've got family there as well that can sort of help me if I need it. So, um, man, I'm in a good place right now. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying the ride at the moment, the journey. Uh, you know, I, I don't even think about footy anymore in terms of do I want to play. My goal. My goal when I started Real Movement was just to be able to to be pain-free. But now it's, it's okay, I want to be able to do what I could do when I was playing at 21, 20, 19, whatever it was. Um, but I want to be able to do it better. So, you know, I'm, I'm not far off that already and it's only been three months. And then it's about um, helping others do it as well, man. Yeah, awesome. Mate, I'd like to... To make the best of a bad situation in, you know, our, our world in the last couple of months, man, like you're a great example of fucking just attacking it and making something happen. And like lots of people have hit under the desk or, you know, just blamed, you know, the situation or whatever, but you, you've, you've made it count. Mm. Uh, man, it's been, it's been cool to see that journey. Man, I, like I've over, you know, you're a rugby league player and I've forgotten to ask the, like the number one question of a rugby league player is, what, what did you bench when you were at your strongest? Uh, when I was at my strongest, I could do 170. I did 170 down at, yeah. 170 was my peak for that. Um, yeah. I never did much squatting, eh, bro? I, I hated squatting. <laughs> I hated it because I, I had this theory in my head that, no, nah, my, my legs are too big. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be too slow. I can't squat. But um, I, could, I could literally jump on a squat machine and probably pump maybe just over 200 just, just for three if I had to. And then I'd just quit. I'd just stop. Um, but gym, I love the gym. I always loved the training aspect of rugby league. I, I, you know, that whole going to that dark place was something that I really loved, you know, and being a, being a part of a team and doing it, it's, um, that's something that I loved and, and something that I, I sort of probably maybe missed the most out of playing. Yeah. Uh, but, bro, yeah, like training-wise, I loved it. I always loved training. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a serious bench for a 90-kilo dude, 90-ish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a bad problem to have just to be able to jump on the squat and punch out two hundred. <laughs> I wish I had that. I wish I had that. <laughs> well, mate, I did. Um, I did the other day, Ron. I don't have to say. I think I tagged you on your Insta. Yeah. Um, mate, I did a hundred kilo full. Like it wasn't a full squat, but mate, I got below knee 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 level, right? And I, I've never been able to do that even when I was playing, right? I, I couldn't get down that low to start with, but let alone do it comfortably with a hundred kilos. 
I felt like I could have kept going. You know, that's that's how I felt, and that's where my body's at at the moment. So, mate, it's I'm pumped to see where I can get it at now, and I'm actually enjoying doing legs now. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, it's so it's so cool for like a, a former player to be improving himself and challenging himself as the example, and then be able to coach it as well, man. It's um, yeah, it's cool following your journey. It, it's uh, it's inspirational to to all us, all of us that follow you, man. So look forward to following your journey and. It's been great to catch up and, and get to know your story. Thanks, brother. Hopefully, we can catch up for a session soon, eh, man? Man, that'll be, uh, yeah, it'd be cool to get face-to-face and uh, have a yarn and shift some tin. For sure, bro. Sounds good. Cheers, brother. All right, bro. Thanks a lot for your time, Ron. I'll speak to you soon.